I've always said that in the talent acquisition industry, not a lot of intellectuals have stayed in a space for very long. So when I meet somebody that is as intellectual and analytically focused about talent acquisition as I am, like Gambala Sankare, I'm always drawn to them. Gambala has had an incredible career working at companies like Wex, leading talent acquisition at the NBA, and most recently as the head of HR at Pretty Flaherty in Maine. Gambala and I dive into a ton of topics, including the talent acquisition industry as it stands right now and where it's going, his time at the NBA, and his support of his home country of Ghana, not to mention why Maine is a great place to visit and live. I really enjoyed this conversation. Hell, I enjoy every conversation I have with Gambala, and this was no different. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode and let us know what you think about all of his insights. He's a great guy, and there's a lot to learn. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Higher Learning. I am here today with a good friend of mine, Gimbala Sankare. Currently, he's the head of HR at Pretty Flatterty and formerly the head of talent acquisition at WEX and the NBA. Gimbala, how you doing? Doing well, it's nice to see you again. It's been, it's been a while. It has. I always enjoy our conversations offline, online, wherever they are. This is actually, in fact, the second episode of Higher Learning that we're recording. First one was unable to be released for reasons that we won't get into. If anybody wants to hit up the secret archives of higher learning, just shoot me a note. We'll see what we can do. But I'm so excited to have you here because, listen, you love talent acquisition and you look at it from an intellectual perspective. I like to think that I do the same. And so we share a lot of like common thought there. And so I'm really excited to dive into that a little bit um, and share with our listeners some of your great insights and learnings. So let's start here. Okay. It's kind of a crazy time for the recruiting market right now, right? We had the great resignation a few years ago, and we had recruiters getting salaries and jobs unlike we'd ever seen before. It was the highest of the highs from what I've ever seen in my career, at least. And then we started to see that over the next couple years, the market started to turn a little bit. And unfortunately, there was a lot of layoffs and rifts in the space. And we've seen people who have been displaced from roles. And now we're starting to see things, I don't know, heat back up. So I'm just interested. What are you seeing in the market? What do you think are some of the headwinds going on right now? And where do you think things are going going forward overall? Well, no, I'm, I'm glad you touched that and you, you touched up on that. And, and I think, you know, I've spent the last, you know, five, six months talking to a lot of my colleagues and folks in the industry, um, what their experience has been. And, I, and I, could, I could honestly say, you know, if you're someone that's sitting there thinking, you know, how is the market doing? What is the market doing? I can I can tell you the market is changing, right? For the better. You know, it's it's definitely going to be different in Q4 um, than it was, you know, in Q1 or ending Q1 or early Q2. Um, but it was it was definitely challenging. It was definitely a struggle. Um, if you were in the talent space, if you were in the HR space. I mean, I've had folks and I've I've had, I mean, senior leaders, you know, in HR and in the in the talent space tell me, you know what? They are going back to school to, you know, study a new industry, right? Because um, they've had it. Like it, it's been, it, it has been that um, big of a change. And for me, look, I've I've always believed that layoffs, um, and especially what happened, you know, uh, early this spring, it's really a reflection of management more than that individual that is, you know, getting that that severance, you know, conversation or layoff conversation and so on, right? 
Um, so I've, I've spent a lot of time talking to folks that have been in those situations, you know, just letting them know and just kind of giving them an opportunity to decom decompress about how they're feeling and then letting them know that, look, it's, it's, it's not you at all. It's really a reflection of the management of the company that you're in. Um, but it was definitely a slug. It's definitely a struggle. Um, it pains for me to, to see and hear some of the awful experiences. You know, it seems like, you know, layoffs started happening and then, you know, organizations lost, you know, their sense of humanity in some, in some ways in, in terms of how they're treating um, uh, applicants and candidates in general, the experience and the, a lot of the conversations that we've had, you know, on, online and offline about, you know, just the hiring experience in general, it seems like companies just like everything just went out, out the gate. Um, you, you know, I've, I've had experiences where folks were, folks were sharing with me that they will go through interview process, you know, they'll go through 12, 13 rounds of interviews, um, and then ultimately being told that, oh, actually, we need this position to be on site, or the position needs to be um, on hold, and so on. Well, you you will have, you know, recruiting teams reach out to candidates wanting to schedule interviews, but then ghost them, right, and, and, and not show up, right? All of these things are just like, completely day and night from, you know, where we were in 2021, 2020, and, and so on. Um, but I still think, I still believe that, you know, um, it will get back to, 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 those, um, to those rates again. I still think uh, that there's, a, there's a, a, a definite need in the industry, in any industry, um, you know, when it comes to really good, you know, um, highly capable, highly intelligent uh, and talent acquisition, talent acquisition specialists and leaders and so on and HR um, leadership and HR managers and so on. So I, I I I do think that you see that change happen. You know, end of Q4, uh, early Q1 next year, uh, getting back to maybe not the astronomical numbers that we saw in 2021, but getting really close to that. I love that. I'll give a little bit of my personal insight. I concur with a lot of the things you talked about and. Quite frankly, to see the lack of humanity in some of the experiences and how things fall apart the way they do. You know, what's interesting about our industry in particular is that we're a bellwether a lot of time for the economy or the market and where things are going. We tend to see it up front because we're actually seeing the business decisions being made until it becomes news a month, two months down the road. And so what I've seen in 2023, and I've said this a couple of times, it's been an absolute fistfight. Right for a lot of industries, but particularly for our business, we've been lucky in that we're diversified and that we have offshore, nearshore consulting. We have different things that we do that when things get a little more uncertain, people turn to in terms of those types of services. But I think one of the things that really has been most interesting to me, and not in a great way, is that a lot of times we think about, you know, is there a lot of hiring happening? Are not a lot of hiring not happening? The economy's bad, it's good. What's going on? What's the unemployment rate? What's interesting to me is that deals fall apart, right, all across the board with the slightest little breeze of wind in a bad economy. It seems like people are, um, you know, unwilling or the slightest thing can happen that will throw things off course. And it's much like you're talking about going through 12 interviews and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're changing the requirements or uh, this isn't exactly perfect. And so we're going to move away from it. When you're in a robust economy and, and money is flowing and deals are happening across all different lines of industry, it seems like, you know, like a skyscraper in the wind, like it's very hard to knock off yeah, its course. It, yeah, yeah, it seems it seemed it seemed like, you know, companies were looking are looking for any possible way to say no to somebody. Right. Um, and, you know, they will 
take them along the journey and then find something at the end and like, eh, now we're not interested in it. And, but the reality is, look, you know, this is a reflection of the culture of the organization, right? Um, and at some point it's going to come back and, and bite them and bite them, you know, where, they don't, where the sun doesn't shine, right? Like sure. it's going to come back, it's going to come back and it's a reflection of the, of the culture and the reputation of the, of the organization. And if you need talent, if you need a talent in the, uh, during the summer or early spring and you treated them as such and, you know, didn't end up completing the hiring, I'm telling you, you're gonna that you you haven't closed that gap. You're gonna come back into the marketplace again. You're gonna come seeking for um for for that talent again. And those experiences, and and I'll tell you right now, candidates talk to each other. Well, let me let me interject real quickly because this is something I believe passionately. If you're especially if you're a big company, one of the most underrated forms of marketing is the people who apply to your company, the experience they have in the interview process, if they hear back, get feedback or not. And here's what I mean by that, right? If you're a big company, many times you have 10,000 plus applicants, right, for all of the different roles in your organization. And how they feel as they go through that experience, whether they apply and don't hear anything, or they go all the way through 12 interviews and things fall apart, that person is A, unlikely to recommend that place to work to a friend, B, Maybe another opportunity comes up that's a better fit, and they're like, no thanks. Or C, they actually might not want to be a customer of your services and products. And because it's happening at such scale, that can be super detrimental. Word of mouth, grassroots marketing is still something that's very real. And so I find that not only is it the right thing to do from a moral and ethical perspective in terms of how you manage candidates in general, I think it's a great, important business bottom line objective to do right by them. So I didn't mean to interject, but I just, I think that companies fail to recognize that. I mean, you're absolutely right. And look, you know, I've served in positions where, you know, you build talent acquisition strategies, knowing that your talent marketing and engagement and branding experience that you want to provide for candidates and so on, you know, will drive the the the, the value for the organization, right? So you can actually measure some of these things to the sense in how it drives revenue in the organization, right? So, you know, if you think about some of these areas, you know, if, if you're sports and entertainment and, you know, uh, retail and so on, these are folks, the candidates that you that, that are going through the hiring process are also, you know, the customers that are consuming the product that you're providing. So if you're not treating them right in that process, now, guess what? It's going to have a bottom line effect uh, in, in the organization. And I think many organizations fail to, to realize that and connect the dots. Um, and that's why you need really good you know, talent acquisition strategies, because the right strategy allows you to be able to kind of pinpoint specifically. And there's data around all of these things, right? There's platforms that will allow you to enrich some of this data to see specifically how I am treating that the MPS score of each candidate you know, as they come through my process, it's impacting, you know, the, the the value and the revenues of the organization going forward. Yeah, I think there's a false narrative that if somebody doesn't get the job, they're going to be unhappy anyway. So what does it matter? That's so not true. You don't have to go through the entire process, get an offer and accept an offer to think it was a good process or walk away feeling good about the company and the people you met. Quite the contrary. So I've had numerous situations for our own company where somebody hasn't gotten the job initially for whatever reason, either on their decision or our decision, and ultimately came back and been some of our most prosperous employees. And so this long-term mindset, this long-term greedy mindset that we have at our company, especially when it comes to hiring, is something that's really paid off for us. And I would say that every company should be looking at that. Now, I want to ask you something because 
you have a lot of really great ideas around being creative and innovative in the recruitment and talent acquisition space. Let's say that you were talking to a founder that was getting ready to start their own TA function within an organization. What do you think are some of the core fundamentals or core principles of a great TA organization? Where would you tell them to start and where would you tell them to focus? Well, you know, the pay for the best TA talent, right? Uh, and pay them competitively to, uh, you know, in the marketplace. Um, make sure that you have folks uh, within the TA team that are analytical, that understand the business strategy, right? Understand, you know, this talent is going to drive this particular, you know, um, vertical for the business. And this is how the impact is going to be in the business, right? And and then make sure that you uh, your team understands, you know, the type of talent that you, you want into the organization that you're creating in an organization. Those three things would allow you to have, you know, I would say best in class, you know, uh, talent acquisition function. Now, ultimately, the culture of the organization, you know, is at the end of the day, you know, the decision that helps a lot of people come into the into that organization. So you, you want to have that conversation and ask yourself as a founder, like, you know, what culture do I want to set up for for this uh, for this organization that I'm creating? Um, and then have that permeate across the talent acquisition team and the talent team in general. And you see the results of that in, in the type of people that you bring in. Um, but those three things, you know, making sure that, you know, you have an analytical function, making sure that you, you, you're paying the right talent to attract the right talent, right? Um, there's always, well, let's just bring in, you know, young recruiters or folks in and see if we can convert them into recruiters and so on, and let's pay them below marketplace. And I'll tell you right now, if you're not paying your recruiters, they're not getting you the top talent. I, I, I guarantee you that, um, you know, if you're not invested in the development of your recruiters and talent acquisition team, guess what? They're not seeing the right talent. They're not, be, they're not able to interpret, you know, the, the skills that you're looking for in the organization into the marketplace to attract the right talent for you. Um, if you don't have the right culture, then they can't speak to that when they go out into the marketplace to attract the right talent for you. So all of those things uh, are, are combined in, in creating a successful um, talent function you know, as you grow as a, as a founder. Yeah, I love that. It's such great advice. Let's dive in a little bit deeper there. Let's talk about the analytics aspect, okay? What do you think are the key measurements around seeing the effectiveness of your talent acquisition process, your talent acquisition organization. What are you, if I'm handing you a report, what are the first things that your eyes are going to, or what are the things that you're thinking that need to be captured to best understand how effective you are in terms of talent acquisition within a company? Well, I mean, it's it's one of these things where, you know, I, the, the, first of all, you have to have the right people that, you know, in, in the team that think about some of these things as well, right? Because, um, you know, when I when I look at the dashboards that I've created, the metrics and, you know, how I measure performance and, and, and success with recruiters, it really comes down to, you know, how much bandwidth they have to be able to execute on some of these uh, experiences, right? So, you know, you know, what is that... Um, what is the level of number of regs, you know, you know, and to, to their performance and, you know, how quickly are they moving through the process and spending time and engaging with candidates and sourcing with candidates and coming and coming through. Um, but TA has hundreds, if not thousands of, uh, of, of metrics that you can look at to measure effectiveness. Um, but the recruiter effectiveness score for me is pretty simple, right? You know, you look at, you know, how, how many, how long candidates are sitting um, with each requisitions and, you know, and how long it takes for recruiters to to move them through that process. And then all of that, you know, kind of comes together in that NPS score that you get at the end of, at the, end of the hiring process, you know, where candidates are, 
you know, sharing, you know, their feedback around what the candidate experience looks like, the hiring experience looks like for them, you know, and then all of that comes in, 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 uh, in full scope of understanding, okay, what is effectiveness look like in my team, but you want to measure the bandwidth of your team, you want to measure, you know, how long is it taking for each recruiter to do the, the most minimal task, you know, um, that it comes to, right, like opening up a resume and skimming through the resume, right? Can you provide them with automation and software that makes those things easier for them? You know, I would rather see my recruiter spending time with candidates and talking to them, understanding, you know, what they're looking for and, you know, sharing our culture of where we are as an organization and why they will be you know, additive, uh, why they will be successful in being additive to um, to the culture of the organization, then sitting there and trying to kind of do Boolean searches in, in, in my ATS or anything like that. There are systems that do that for them, right? You know, you want to make sure the recruiters are moving candidates and providing an optimal experience through the hiring process. I've always said, you know, like that. So any, any candidate that is spending more than two weeks in each stage, you know, you're wasting your time. Time is money and you're going to lose top talent if you have too drawn out of a process. And if you have a lot of redundancies and overlap or long feedback cycles, good luck getting the best talent. Certainly your competition is going to take advantage of that. Yeah. And I'll still tell you, I actually say, you know, even even in this market, uh, how crazy this market has been, you still have the best talent are not going to be available more than three weeks in the marketplace. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to tell you something right now. Two things that I've seen over the last four weeks. I agree with you. The market full-time hiring in particular is turning. We're seeing a lot more going on from our different clients. We're either coming back to life or new clients, um, all different types of things happening there. So I think that's very positive. And I'll also say for our company and the hiring that we're trying to do, I've never seen such great talent available right now, right? And they're, they're excited to work at a company like ours. And it's awesome because, you know, our brand has grown, so that's great. But it's also about who's available right now. And so, you know, there's always cycles to these things. Great people are always going to have great opportunities and great work. So if you're sitting there and you're waiting and you're listening to this and hopeful, time is coming. It's coming soon. Yeah. Gambala and I know we're at the forefront of it. So I want to ask you this. We, we met when you were working at the NBA. And I'm a big NBA fan. Everybody, you know, I got some basketball shoes right behind me right here. I want to ask you, I heard you on a panel once talk about how, you know, the way that the league presents itself externally in terms of bringing in personnel and all the different things they do from a talent perspective on the court, right? It's a little bit different than what's happening on the back end in terms of hiring on the corporate side. What did you try to bring to the NBA? Where were you coming in to try to stand things up and get that to be more reflective of what we see externally from a talent acquisition perspective? Yeah, I, I mean, my, my time at MBA was really looking at the function and optimizing the function to, you know, to be able to, you know, if, if, if I'm a candidate looking at the MBA, you know, and and, I, and one, I'm a fan, you know, so I'm, I'm looking at this amazing brand and I wanted to come in and, and, and experience that same brand come, um, coming as a candidate um, through the process. So my, my, my biggest remit was really kind of how do I merge those two experiences together to make sure that they mirror each other, right? You know, what you see externally is also the same experience that you bring in. But then also bringing in platforms that are best in class um, to allow for better hiring process, you know, um, launching new um, marketing campaign, the bring your game campaign, you know, um, that you see on the MBA, on the LinkedIn and so on, right? Those were some things that came through um, through my time there, you know, where we, we initiated that. And then activating some of these um, 
you know, um, social media platforms, especially LinkedIn, right, where, um, you know, LinkedIn is a great source to be able to talk about the brand, but, you know, in a, in a very professional way, but also showing the life of the MBA and showing what is going on, you know, for employees and, you know, trying to have a career um, at the MBA. So those things were 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 key to bring in. And, and then, you know, the MBA was in it was going through kind of evolution and growing, you know, direct to consumer strategy, launching the MBA, um, you know, the league app. Um, all of those things required a different way of thinking in terms of how we talked about talent, you know, how we talk about, you know, what is the MBA, right? So the MBA is not just a basketball organization, it's a digital you know, technology company is a digital marketing company is all of these different things that, um, you know, you never really associate with with the league or a part of it. It's also a startup organization, right? You know, in a way. Right. So it, it's it's changing the mindset of what the league is and how the league operates. And I remember, you know, you know, the, the team going to um, some of these, uh, uh, you know, conferences and um you know and career fairs you know uh, and and to see the mba there right um it, it changed the narrative oh actually wait you know the the league recruits tech talent yeah absolutely because we're building you know newer platforms and so on so th there's a lot that was going on at the league and i'm you know and there's still a lot going on there you know um from from a talent perspective but also um, just how the business is growing in general. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's one of these things where if, if you are coming into the sports and entertainment market um, and want to have a career in sports and entertainment, you know, the NBA is definitely a place that you want to look at because I think you you can see, you know, the transformation both from a technology perspective and culturally where the NBA kind of sits within the social narrative and the social zeitgeist of uh in, in in this country right you want to be part of that you know so i would definitely if i'm coming out of school today and i'm looking for an opportunity to go into sports and entertainment that that is the place to be where do i get an application so are we going to sons knicks finals in july is that is that happening I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain, man. You got to get your team going. Look, I'm still, I'm still holding hope for my Knicks, man. You know, I mean, last year, you know, we were, we were, we were there in the postseason, right? So I'm hoping that this year, incremental improvement. Keep going. You keep moving up that chain. You'll get there. You know, so I, I, I live in Maine, and everybody around me is a Celtics fan. So it's always very interesting conversations during the postseason. Yeah, for sure. I was actually in Boston pretty recently, and they had a bunch of Celtics billboards up, and. Uh, yeah, it, 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 they love their Celtics. There's no question about that. I'm very excited about this season. I want to ask you a little bit of a different question. Is If I ask you for the moment or initiative or something you did in your career that you're most proud of, right, in any organization you've been in, what comes to mind when I ask you that? Um, I mean, I, I, I tend every time I've had that question, I tend to focus more around, you know, the people that I've developed, right? I've had some really great people on my team. Um, some folks that never believed that they were or they could have ever been in, in TA or be successful in TA, um, but being able to show them the path and help guide them and develop them and train them, you know, to be, you know, some of the best recruiters, um, some of the best leaders and talent. Um, that to me has been, you know, um, very proud. I know, I know it's, it's almost like a cliche, but no, it's actually for me that, that, that is, that is important. I mean, you can, I can go back and look at every single team that I've had. You know, there are one or two people in there that never thought, you know, of a career in talent acquisition, right? But then being able to bring them in and give them, empower them, right? To be able to kind of 
create these strategies and implement and drive it, right? And see the results from it, right? Those things are, are, are powerful. And I still it gives me, I get goosebumps right now, even talking about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, those things are powerful, right? The best thing that you can do in this position uh, or in, in, in the positions that I've been uh, as a leader is really empowering your team and developing them to be able to achieve whatever they put their mind to it and, you know, for, for, the, for, the, for the team and for the function, for the organization. It's not cliche. It's what all great leaders would say. I knew you were going to go there. I know you that well. So I'm glad you said that. And I've met some of the people that you've had the opportunity to develop, and I know they're better off because of it. So that's absolutely a great answer. Um, all right, I'm going to take this a little bit of a different direction again. So right. you said you live in Maine, never been to Maine, never traveled there, never lived there, don't know much about it. I've never been. I've never been. I, I've been to like 40 of the 50 states. I have not gotten to Maine, so I need to hear right now. Why should I go to Maine? What's the great thing about Maine? Listen, if you love Four Seasons, if you want to experience the full Four Seasons that, you know, everyone wants, right? Maine has it, right? Um, you know, if you like recreational, Maine has it. If you like seafood, you, you got it, right? Um, if you like to go hang out camping and, you know, be in farming and all of that or be a hunter, Maine got it all, you know? Um, it's a pretty big state. One of the things that I love about Maine is, you know, within five hours, I can go to, I, I'm in Europe, you know, I'm in Canada, I'm in Boston, I'm in New York, right? All happening in within a five-hour uh, window. Um, but it's a great state. The people are amazing in Maine. There are more trees in Maine than there are people. So, you know, so you get fresh air here, you know, um, almost on a daily basis, right? If we weren't dealing with the Canadian fires. But Maine, man, you got to you gotta enjoy. You got to come. You gotta all right. All right. Listen, uh, you, you had me. I like lobster rolls. A nice five-hour jaunt to Europe is not bad. Okay, you're right. There's a lot going on there. Uh, listen, and I'm going to turn off a lot of people right now, but I'm just going gonna, gonna to tell you where I come from, and then I'm going to tell you why the Four Seasons thing. Everybody brings that up, and I'm just going to push back a little bit, okay? Grew up in Southern California. I moved to Arizona, and I've lived in Florida. So granted, I'm not your Four Seasons guy. I like the warm weather. I've been in the Sun Belt. But what's, what, what's, what's with the, the Four Seasons, right? If I want to go experience the winter, I'll get a JetBlue flight. I'm, I'm telling you. I'll hand over there. If, if, you, if you are in Maine in the fall and see the trees turn and change color, I'm telling you right now, it's stuff of Hallmark movies, man. It What's is that the, do for me? What do I feel more fulfilled? I mean, like, it, I don't it, get it. it's a little, it, it turns like your heart, might be like, oh, this is beautiful. And, you know, go apple picking with the kids and so on, man. It's beautiful, man. You, you got to right. come. Spend Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to set up a trip. You and I are going apple picking, and I'm going to see if my heart feels full and fulfilled after I do that, okay? Yeah. And then no. in the summer, you can come by, and we can go, you know, we can go on the water and go blueberry picking in Maine and all of that good stuff. I mean, three of the two of the four things that you're selling me on Maine is fruit picking, man. That's what you guys got going out there. All right, listen, I'm not going to hate. We have a really large Maine listenership, so I want to make sure I don't offend anybody. But uh, okay, I'm, I'm open minded. I'm going to see what it's about. Okay, it's a, it's a it's a great state. You know, look, I left um, I left New York. I still I still come down to New York, you know, a couple of times. But I grew up in the Bronx, and you know, um, I, the hustle and bustle of New York is it's in my DNA. But I'm telling you, man, um, you know, you come up here, life is slow, you know, and my look, my mother, my mother is your traditional African mother, man. And she comes up here. It's just like, there's so many trees. You can hide a body. I was like, wait, mom, what are you talking about? But 
she that's her that's her way of um that's her way of showing how much she loves it and she always whenever she has an opportunity to she's coming into Maine to come visit right because you got to get away from New York every now and then yeah listen the Bronx it's definitely you know you don't know where to hide those bodies right so if you, if you need a good forest up in Maine that's where you go yeah it's a it's a very uh very old African mother joke you know no I'm with you I totally get it I get it so so listen, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it and then maybe I'll get some tickets. I don't even know if I can get a direct flight to Maine, but I'll figure it out. I'm gonna come visit. You, you. get a direct flight to Maine. There's direct flights from. Right. You know what? I'm, I'm being a hater. I'm being a hater. I'm gonna cut it out now before I piss anybody off. All right, man. So listen, you know what the show's about. We love talking about hiring. You are an expert in the space. You've done it for tons of companies. You've hired for your team. So we're gonna dive into that a little bit. I want to learn a little bit about what's important to you. I think what I want to do is I want to ask about you building your own team, though. I really want to focus this word. Listen, this is a talent acquisition show. You're in the space. I'm in the space. Let's talk about it from a talent acquisition perspective. So if I had to ask you to tell me your overall hiring philosophy, when you're bringing recruiters onto your team, I want to know what skills and behaviors you're focusing on to bring in top talent to your team for that, for that role uh, particularly. I'm generally, you know, I'm generally looking for recruiters that are analytical. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at recruiters that um, are are comfortable with complexities of, you know, building and developing, right? Because as you know, in TA, there's always some sort of building and developing happening, whatever it is, you know, with candidates or with hiring managers. So recruiters are able to kind of um, speak to that and, you know, kind of guide and walk people through um, best in class experiences um, and so on um, and you know and 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 I I want recruiters to also bring their you know kind of innate personalities and authenticity and their life experiences you know um, to you know the positions right because those are the things that you know can 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 drive a recruiter to be successful right you know um based on you know some of the some of those lived experiences they've had can can serve as a fire in them to to drive them i look for recruiters that are continuously looking to learn um you know but at the same time you know um are, are ready to have fun when when needed right um you know and 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 um my my philosophy my philosophy is you know pay them right you know pay the best talent and get them out of the market pretty quickly, right? Um, so when I go into market looking for folks in my team, I'm looking for all of those things. And I'm also saying, hey, look, I'm gonna pay you right. I'm gonna make sure that you're competitive. I'm gonna make sure I provide you with the development that you need. Um, and then you come in. Um, every team that I've been in, um, there's been some sort of development. There's been some sort of transformation. You know, I've, I've yet to see, and you know, I, I've talked to and I've, I've been to a lot of different organizations. There's no talent acquisition team that is 100 percent. You know, there's all, there's always something to be done or something to do. Um, so you always want to stack your team with folks that are comfortable with those things. Right. If if I have a recruiter that's telling me, you know, I can only work with this one particular ATS, you know, I want to explore whether or not they can learn something new or they can learn a new ATS. Um, and if if that's not the case, and if they're not comfortable with that, then that may be a very difficult, um, you know, uh, transition for someone to be on the team. So you always want to look for folks that have the dexterity to be able to learn some of these new new te new technologies, you know, you know, new philosophies of engagement of uh, uh, with candidates and hiring managers and so on. I love that. 
All right, so let's talk about if I ask you for a memorable interview experience, and you don't got to name names. Maybe it was you interviewing. Maybe it was you interviewing somebody else. What comes to mind when I ask you that? Um, yeah, I'm trying to see here. I've I've had some really doozy, some 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 interesting ones. Um, I, I guess on the good side, you know, I think you know some of the best interview experiences that I've had is really. You know, you go through an interview, you go through the conversation, um, you learn from each other, from, you know, the interviewer or the hiring manager, and you continue the discussion even beyond, you know, that interview experience. And some of these folks, you know, I've, I've interviewed with some folks that didn't, we didn't end up, you know, making a deal and coming to the organization, but end up being, you know, mentors and friends, you know, that we continue to talk to um, uh, today. Um, I've been, I've been in interviews, the other interviews, the other way. You know where, um, you know, and I, and I've, I spent some time. You know, I've I've led DNI um, in in global organizations. You know, so it's always interesting when I'm in interviews, um, when, and then you have folks that will say things that are not necessarily the most appropriate, right? Um, and then you're having to, you know, right there and then in that interview, you know, correct them, and then then you have this awkward silence and awkward next steps. Um, but you you have those as well. But to me, you know, an interview should be a conversation piece, right, between two people and trying to understand, you know, why each of us will be a good fit for the organization and what about the organization that I need to know that interviews shouldn't be a, a test, shouldn't be a quest that you have to go through to try to seek answers or anything like that. It really should be a, a conversation between two people. Um, so I've, I've always frowned upon it, you know, well, let, let, let's make them uncomfortable. No, what are you making people uncomfortable for? You know, we're two people having a conversation. I need to know what I don't know about your organization so that when I, you know, if this decision is there for me to make, I can fully be confident in knowing that I can come to your organization and be successful. And you need to know why I'm interested in the skills that I bring into the table um, and, and have a conversation about that. It shouldn't be you know, a, a mystery. It shouldn't be an odyssey to try to get people to to get you answers or ask questions, you know, through an interview process. Yeah, totally agree. It's fantastic advice. I hope there's a lot of hiring leaders listening. Um, I want to ask you, what about like lunch interviews, dinner interviews, interviews with spouses? Have you seen those? Do you think those are effective? Do you think those are good ways to kind of get to the bottom of people? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're effective, but it could go sideways really, really quick, right? I, I mean, I've I had one leader tell a story. I mean, I'm sitting there, you know, he said, yeah, you know, we took the candidate out, you know, took him out to dinner, you know, and told him that they can, they can drink whatever they want. And then, you know, we were drinking, we made a deal with the, uh, with the waiter, you know, we were drinking water and looked like vodka. So the candidate just kept getting vodka, trying to, you know, be like us and got completely wasted. It's like, how is that? How, how is that? What are you experience? trying to prove? They're what are you trying to do, right? To get it, right? You get what I'm saying? Right? It's like, yeah. So, I mean, you should see me. Like, I, I was like, what the hell is this, right? Not so. It, it, it could go. I mean, I, I would never recommend, you know, getting to that level unless you, as a leader, you're fully confident that you know the, the, the individual representing the organization can really close the deal without making a mess. Right. Um, we shouldn't be putting people in a position where we're testing whether or not that they can tolerate alcohol or anything like that. And that's just not OK.
I hope they got that guy or girl a, a, an Uber home, man. That's that's that seems like entrapment there. I don't love that whatsoever. Um, here's what I really know, though. You've got some stories about interviews. I bet that you're keeping in. That's on the hidden episode that we did previously. So people are gonna have to dig into those archives to find out because I'm sure you've seen some things. Oh yeah, we've we've got I've got some stories, but you know. we got some stories. We'll we'll share those after uh, a drink. I promise to actually have it be bourbon. I won't pretend it's something else. Okay. Um, what about what's your favorite question to ask a prospective hire? Um, if everything, you know, if compensation is not an issue, location is not an issue, everything fits and, you know, um, everything that you expect is there, why would you not accept this position? You know, so it's one of the, one of these questions that I ask, and usually I would say nine times out of the 10, the response that you get back from that candidate is a question or something that hasn't been covered through the process, right? You know, why would you not accept this position? You know, everyone seems stumped and then they're like, well... I mean, I'm, I wouldn't accept it if this, right? So that if this is something that hasn't been addressed, hasn't been covered, and it, it prompts, you know, a conversation at that point. So it's usually something that you, you know, a question that you want to ask before, you know, an offer is actually presented. So you can make sure that you have addressed every single, um, you know, gap that exists uh, within that within that process. I love that. So what about you know, the famous at the end of the interview, what kind of questions do you have for me? What do you like when people ask you? Or is there a question that you can think of that you really enjoy that somebody asked you? What, what's a good question for people who are, you know, get to the end of the interview process? So well, what do you want to know about us? Yeah, I mean, I, I the, the one question that I love when people ask me is like, why did you say yes, you know, to this organization, right? You know, um, and and at that point, you know, I, I as, as the interviewer, I am sharing what really made me say yes to the organization, right? Um, and and if I'm a if I'm a candidate, if I'm an interviewee, you know the response to that I can understand uh, authenticity, you know, you know that individual. You can also call BS through that question, right? Whether or not that individual is telling you the truth or not. But it's a great question to ask, and I you know I love answering that because. It shows the pride of, you know, the, the organization, the function. It shows, it talks about the culture, you know, at least those are the those are the themes that should be coming out to you as, as an interviewee, um, you know, and, and it's something that it's, it's worth, you want to know that, you want to know what's in it for that individual that you're talking to, um, you know, what was in it for them, for them to say yes to that organization. And it could be, it could easily be, hey, they pay me a lot of money. I couldn't say no. And that's okay too. So at least you know how to position yourself in the offer in, in the offer conversations. Oh, now I can't wait to ask this question. So why did you say yes to be the head of human resources at Pretty Flaherty? You know, so so Pretty Pretty is a phenomenal organization, one of the biggest law firms here that we have in Maine. Um and it's at a point where it's going through a transformation. And, you know, as 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 we've talked about, you know, I'm the guy that you call, you know, to to come help, you know, in a transformation, you know, to to the next evolution of, of the company. And, you know, knowing the people in Maine, knowing the people at Pretty and, um, you know, how fantastic the organization is, the culture of the organization. Everyone in Pretty that I've met has been there 10, 15 years. You know, I could still be, the new new kid in the block and I, i'll still be there 10 years right like it, it's been great but it talks to you know the culture and the loyalty of the company and you know really the, the, the care that they give um for their employees 
Um, but it, it's, you know, with any law firm, especially, you know, most of these organizations in the professional services, you know, there's opportunities to, to elevate, there's opportunities to evolve and transform. Um, and, you know, it was, it, it, it called me at the right time where it made sense. And, you know, and I said, you know what, let me, let me give it a shot. Look, and, and, you know, I'm someone that have, you know, I have a diverse background in, in places that I've worked and organizations that I've worked with, right? I'm, I'm industry agnostic. Um, so did I look at it as a challenge? Absolutely. And I still look at it as a challenge, but, you know, some, sometimes you can't just sit back and say no, because you, you feel like, you know, it's too much of a challenge for you. You have to try it. You have to do it. Um, and, so far, it's been great, you know, um, being there the last few months has been phenomenal and the team has been great building the team, you know, assessing the culture and implementing new new policies, new, you know, new strategies and so on um, has been has been great. So um, definitely excited for that, uh, for, for the journey right now. Love that. All right. Last hiring question. So when you miss on somebody and we all miss every once in a while, is there a common theme of something that you should have done differently or? when you don't make the right hire, like something that you, you miss that's a commonality or? Yeah, so so when you're missing a candidate, I mean, it's usually we we haven't done a due diligence in the first place in the screening process, you know, to get to that point, right? I think, um, and then nothing hurts more than, you know, missing a candidate because of compensation at the end, right? Um, we shouldn't have gotten to that point, right? If, if you're missing a candidate, right? That Those things should be vetted out early, early on in the process before they get to the point of, um, um, you know, to, to the office stage. But a miss is really, you know, when we miss a candidate, I mean, I I'm, I have <laughs> I have conversations with the team and trying to understand what was the screening process? You know, how do we how do we get someone all the way to the point that we made an offer for them to say no, right? Like you, you when you're making an offer, you know, you should all but guarantee that that person is going to accept, right? If you do the screening, right? If you've connected, you know, the, you know, with the right people and you really truly understand what is going to make them move from, from the organization today. And so a miss is really, you know, it comes down to what the screening has been and what that process has been, um, you know, to, to start with. Yeah, that's, that's a really good call. And listen, by the way, you're always recruiting, man. You brought up compensation and paying your people probably four or five times. I know this is important. listening to this who are saying, I got to go work for Gimbala, man. He values <laughs> me. He knows what I'm no, worth. It's, it's, I mean, it's important, right? Because, right, of course, I, you of know, course it is. The, the best advice I've ever gotten was, you know, um, in, with, a, with a mentor of mine earlier on is take compensation out of the equation, right? Um, you know, because if you can do that, you know, then everything else becomes easy, right? Um, and regardless of where the market is, you know, people still got to get paid, right? If you think about, you know, where we are today with inflation level, and I'm seeing some posts, you know, you're paying directors 80,000, look at what, what are you doing, right? Like, come on, no, let's let's not do that. Pay people, right? And I'm, and I'm telling you, they will be the best people that you will have, right? Because they know that they're not going to get a better offer in the marketplace. If you don't pay them right, what happens? They show up 90 days later, someone throws an offer in front of them. They're going to take it. They're going to take it. Right. right. They're going to take it and run. So remove compensation out of the equation and, and your life becomes easier. I love that. I absolutely love that. All right. Listen, people who don't know you, they don't know you're a renaissance man. You travel all over the world. You, you're doing things on yourself with a startup and software. You've got your job at Predi. You're doing all these different things. So I want to know it could be anything. 
What's something you're working on right now that you're super juiced about, you're super excited about? Um, Let's see. I mean, so over the last, I say the last few months, you know, we've been working with, you know, addressing some of the talent gaps, you know, from a consulting perspective, you know, in, in Ghana, you know, so I was born in Ghana, I grew up in Ghana um, before immigrating to the U.S. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to address, you know, the labor market gaps and opportunity gaps in Ghana. Um, and, you know, and I've been doing that and it, and it's been it's been incredible to to give back to the communities that I grew up in and you know, I have a family foundation where we pay for scholarships uh, for, for kids to go to school in Ghana, um, you know, full ride. So that's always been inspiring. So over the last, you know, few months, I've, I've spent a lot of time, you know, traveling around the, around around Europe and the Middle East, you know, meeting some some folks and, you know, networking with some folks and, you know, raising some money for some of the foundation and some of the initiatives that we have, um, you know, to, to address um uh, labor force inequalities in Ghana, and and I think you know we're going to be making some headways. We got we got plenty of news coming up in some of the stuff that we're doing. So I'm sure anyone that's paying attention is going to see that. But you know, look, it's 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 nonstop, and you know, I've 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 had the privilege and opportunity to to work with some fantastic organizations that have put me in a place where I can be in a position to provide my expertise and, and experiences to others. And, you know, and to me, that's a blessing and, you know, to, to, to be part of. We're going to double down on that. Cause I want, I know people are going to be interested to know Ghana and, 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 and what's it like to be a professional out there? What is industry out like out there? What's the market like out there? How is it different than what we're used to maybe here in the United States? Well, I mean, it, so, so, so Ghana, obviously a British colony and, you know, I, I'd say up until the pandemic is one of the fastest growing economies in, in, in Africa, um, in general, the, you know, and if you think about just the demographic transitioning Africa in general, you know, if, if we, if, if we can address, you know, youth unemployment and underemployment in general, you know, the, the continent will be, you know, a, a juggernaut to, to be reckoned with across the globe just by the sheer number of youth there. But Ghana, you know, Ghana has been interesting where, you know, 40% of the economy is, is agricultural. Um, you know, there's a small service in it, so it's 40% agricultural, about 20, 15, 20% that is services based. But you're starting to see this um, swell of, you know, tech industry is still growing, but there's a lot of media creatives. There's a lot of creative, um, you know, talent in Ghana, you know, um, from, you know, you see a lot of them in YouTube, you see a lot of them in social media and so on. Uh, but, but what Ghana really lacks is the, the infrastructure and the labor infrastructure to be able to address the gaps that exist, you know, in how you track labor from when you know, an individual, you know, wh where they're going to school, what they're studying, you know, and how do we create an infrastructure for them to to go into a, a career after they graduate. So some of the, those are some of the things that we're creating, you know, to be able to kind of create that infrastructure to say, okay, here's a centralized place where you can find jobs. Here's a centralized place where you can connect employers with, um, you know, um, with talent. Um, and then, you know, invest in the development of these individuals and you know and the youth to um to go on and create high paying you know companies or acquire high paying jobs and so on so there's a lot of work to be done but i think if anything if there's one country that can do it is ghana and it's english speaking and it's only 
what time zone four hours difference right from 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 New York right so it's in a great position where you know if if you are an employer you know in 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 the west and you're thinking about okay so what is an English speaking country that I want to that is not too far out you know I don't want to go to India I don't want to go to the Middle East you know where else can I go well you know you have you have Ghana and some of the West African countries that speak English right there I love that all right what how old were you when you left Ghana I was just about 13. Just about okay. 13. So outside of family and friends, what do you miss the most about it? Hey, food, man. You know, the best. I was going to say, that's what I was hoping you were going to say. So what, is, you, what is the culinary you know, fair like? Yeah. Let me tell you, people will tell you this Nigerian jollof and all of that, you know, don't ever listen to them. You know, Ghana has some of the best food, obviously the best jollof in, in, in Africa is, is in Ghana, contrary to what- What's jollof in? I have no idea what that is. Tell me. You tell don't me even what jollof know what jollof is. is. Oh my God. You need to come over to the house. But it's, it's you know, like my mother-in-law likes to call it like orange rice, right? It's, you know, it's it's rice and it, you know, it's a tomato base, um, um, but then, you know, you bake it and all of that and it turns and it's it's the- the, the best thing in the world but you know jollof is, is it got the crust at the bottom oh the my god the, the, the crust the crust is the best let me tell you a story i had a roommate here in the u.s that i made jollof rice and we ate it left the crust in the pot you know in the kitchen left came back she was trying to wash the dishes she poured right i i cried to the point that I left. Uh, that that was the end of uh, our remain agreement. Uh, is, that, is, it, is that is that now a deal breaker? If somebody it's ruins a deal the breaker, jollof, I mean, I'm telling you, the jollof, the people will fight over the jollof rice, but I know it's the crust. It's the crust that is. But this the, is where we're going to synergize because my family, my mom's side is Indian, and we make biryani, right. and it's the same thing. When you I'm got that you. rice at the bottom of the pot, that's, that's the best stuff. That's you fight the best for that. stuff. Yeah, people will fight it all jollof rice. Well, no, 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 no. Get me the crust. That's 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 all right. Here's what's happening. I'm flying to Maine. We're going apple picking. I'm gonna see some leaves fall, and then you're gonna make me some jalapen, right? I'll make you some jollof rice, yeah. I'm totally into it. All right, last question. If you had to give advice to 20-year-old early in career talent, Gimbala Sankare, that you didn't know now, but you know now. I didn't say that right. You didn't know then, but you know now. What advice would you give your younger self or maybe anybody who's early in their career? Never stop learning, right? Never stop learning. And, and, and that answer has changed over time. And I think, you know, if I was thinking back at my, you know, 20 something year old self, you know, coming out of college, you know, never stop learning. You know, we, we it's so easy coming out of school to say, well, I want to do this. And then you focus on doing that. Um, but I'll tell you right now, some of the best talent in the marketplace are talent that can do many different things, right? Um, and we live in an economy where the more things that you can do, um, you know, the better it is for you, right? Because then you have leverage. Um, so never stop learning, you know, watch YouTube, learn how to make YouTube videos, learn how to be a creator, all of those things. Yes, you know, you can be an accountant, you can be, you know, in strategy, you can be whatever you want to be, you can be a doctor and so on, but guess what, you know, the economy is changing, the market is changing, you know, and you want to, you want to have um, leverage. So never stop learning. So those two, uh, those tools. Fantastic advice. Gambala, I really appreciate you coming on for the second time. We're going to have to do a third pretty soon. I really appreciate it, man. Good luck to your Knicks for the upcoming NBA season, unless they're playing the Suns. 
Unless they play in the Suns. I don't know about the Suns, but we'll see. You know, we'll see. You'll see how it is. You'll find out all about them pretty soon, man. All right, brother. All right. I'll all talk right. to you later. See Take you. Care, man. All right. Thank you for listening to Higher Learning with me, Oz Rashid. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.